This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Moments That Rock with me, your host, Tony Michaelidis. We're part of the Pantheon group of podcasts, which is a massive selection of brilliant podcasts by all music lovers and uh, appealing to music lovers. First of all, I must apologise for a couple of weeks' absence. We've had a few things going on and we haven't had stuff uh, to put out in time, but we're all right now, so we're back to normal, whatever normal might be. We have a very interesting gentleman today who I've uh, not actually met, but known a lot about for many years. Born in a famous city in the UK for a very popular band, moved to America, where he proceeded to get on with all things music. He's been in Burbank for quite a few years and he's doing some quite amazing stuff. Let's bring him in and let him tell you exactly more about himself. Welcome, Sat. Hey, Tony, it's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, nice to know we have a lot of mutual friends together. Um, so, yes, originally from Wolverhampton, in central England. I've lived in Los Angeles since 1995. I currently run an organization called ANR Worldwide and Muse Expo. Uh, ANR Worldwide focuses on artist discovery and development, but we also work across different touch points of pop culture from music, media, technology. So sort of working with the entire ecosystem where music plays a part in helping those ecosystems thrive and connect with audiences. Um, music Expo is an annual global music business conference and showcase events. We're in our 24th global edition this year. We've done 17 events in LA. We've done four in London under the guise of Music Expo Europe and two in Australia under the guise of Music Expo Asia Pacific. So uh, I think if my math is right, that is... 20 or 18 in LA and then six overseas so 24 sorry there we go and then outside of that I also uh you know do uh, my weekly passion which is uh broadcasting and curating a radio show called Passport Approved which this year celebrates over 20 years in being what we have to say the first point of contact for international music pre-discovery so the whole mission of the show is to introduce great new talent from across the world no matter the geographical boundaries that was your kind of first foot in the door so to speak wasn't it i mean obviously you were a fan i think that's great because the same with me i mean we're fans first and foremost and then you got a job that's an extension of your hobby when you kind of dabbled into radio at the, at the very beginning were you going to think maybe that would have steered you into into your career how did the whole a and r thing come about well, it all happened by accident. I moved from the UK to Central California and would listen to the local radio stations. And I didn't really hear the music that I grew up listening to, you know, when I listened to John Peel and BBC Radio 1, where you were exposed to all these different genres from punk to reggae to disco to rock to pop and everything in between. And then I also, you know, in my home was uh, exposed to music from India, uh, primarily Punjabi and Bollywood music, thanks to my parents. So they really kind of exposed me to a world of music. So coming to Central California, 
I felt there was just big cultural void. So I would bug the local radio stations requesting bands like Ultravox, Susie and the Banshees, and, you know, Ultravox, sorry, Ultravox, um, you know, Sex Pistols, what have you. And a lot of them hadn't heard about these artists. So eventually one of the DJs said, hey, why don't you come by our radio station? Let me hear these records. And, you know, we'll go from there. So I did. And after you heard the music, he goes, wow, this music is amazing. Can I play some of these records in my radio show? And in return, I'll teach you the basic fundamentals about radio programming and curation. So I said, sure. And I, at the time, I was about 16 years old. So I did that for about a year, learning you know, about radio from him. And he retaught really me the art and science of curation and how to engage with the audiences. And he always told me, he goes, it's not about what you like, it's what the audience likes. And so just some of the basic common sense knowledge made me understand that, you know, it's always about the audience. The audience is a judge and jury. And if you don't connect with an audience, you're not going to have a platform to expose new music. So as a champion of always, you know, supporting new music, that kind of defaulted into me getting into A&R. So for my radio experience, I then transitioned into just supporting a lot of international acts and A&R departments would call me asking how I found this music. And at the time I was traveling the world, putting myself in a whole heap of debt uh, just to, you know, follow my passion for unearthing great new music. Uh, it, music was my drug. You know, I, I've never done those other kind of illicit drugs, but music was my, was, was my high. And so by traveling the world, I just came across all this amazing music, played it at my radio show. And at the event at the same time, a few years later, got involved in club culture. So I could not only, you know, get reaction from people from, uh, you know, the clubs that were reacting on the dance floor, but also from the listeners. So, you know, I started realizing that even though some of this music was unfamiliar, uh, if it sounded somewhat familiar and it connected on a, on a, on a passionate level, it would resonate with people just the way that, you know, John Peel would play these very obscure artists on, on his show, but it would resonate. And to me, you know, music is always about having an impact and whether it's big or small, if it impacts you on an emotional level, there's something there. And so that sort of then made me realize that there's something to this. And as these labels and NR departments are calling me and asking me about how I was discovering this music, I'm like, I'm just following my passion, my gut, and that eventually led, you know, to me getting my first A&R consulting gig in 1995 over Interscope Records. People can feel that, like, if you're on the radio and stuff like that. You mentioned Peel. I mean, I think I've got a few years on you because we're <laughs> older. But, you know, I grew up on that. And before that, it was the Pirates because it was the only way that, I mean, I think that's the first time I heard Mark Boland and Led Zeppelin and people like that it was insane. You know Dennis McNamara? I know the name, but not personally. Well, Dennis has been on Moments That Rock. He he was a program controller at WLIR. And I went to um, a screening of a film called Dare to be Different in St. Petersburg, where I was living in Florida at the time, and met the producer. I've had her on the show. And basically, it was a station that was daring to be different on Long Island. They were the first to play The Cure, The Alarm, U2. When everybody was playing safe music, they were kind of doing what you were doing, which was reaching out. And in my own little small way, I kind of did that on Piccadilly when, when they gave me my own show. So I think you kind of have to have that kind of bravado about you, saying, leave it to me, I'll do it my way. Um, and where you kind of moved from, from behind the mic to kind of right in front of the, of the decision makers and stuff, it was, a, it was an incredible move. Wolverhampton in, in the kind of, you know, in the, in the 
rock band era was great, but it wasn't like going to be musically thriving forever, was it? So did you just go to like, was it going to be New York or California or would you considered London or what? Uh, well, my parents moved to California and I was 14 at the time when I first moved out to the States. So it was, you know, partly because of my parents' decision to move to California that I stayed here. And I think, you know, LA is one of those markets where anything is possible, right? Where, you know, it's it's the epicenter of pop culture and, you know, music, film, television, and so many other, you know, key touch points that uh, people are engaged with, with for entertainment and beyond. So, you know, when I moved to LA, I realized I was a small fish in a big pond, but it really wasn't until, you know, they say sometimes in, you know, in tragic circumstances, you can either go up or down. And so when I lost my dad in 98, it was one of those things where I really went from being, you know, fearful to being fearless because I realized that, you know, life is such, a, you know, there's a there's an expiration date and things can happen any moment at any time when you least expect it. So if you don't embrace, you know, your beliefs and passions, then you just begin to exist. And I wanted to live and do something that was meaningful and hopefully make an impact that would not only, you know, support my passions, but also hopefully leave a pathway forward for future generations. Brilliant. Love it. It's it's a great story, albeit sad, you know, with, with your father and stuff. But I remember something kind of similar in a way with, um, you know, in the early days with hearing Bono and Larry Mullen. They kind of lost their mother at 14. So Bono would say, like, you know, that in, instead of being that kid that went to school and was angry and saying, how come you've got a mother and I haven't, you know, he said, I didn't want to be in a band. I had to be in a band. It was that kind of attachment, you know, where you really have to kind of, um, there's nothing left for you and you put everything into it and the rest is history. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. That's right. Excellent stuff. You're listening to Moments That Rock with me, host Tony Michaelidis, on the Pantheon group of podcasts. Today's guest is Sat Bizzler, and we'll be back hearing more stories from uh, Sat's illustrious career in the music industry for many decades. 
that sort of helped me move into creating this online platform called, you know, ALR Network uh, back in the late, uh, late, late sorry, late nineties, which uh, really was uh, the first of its kind ecosystem that uh, shared with ALR departments, publishers, booking agents, and managers a uh, a palette of what was happening from around the world. All these amazing, talented writers, producers, artists, and so I realized that. This information, you know, was valuable because most people were not flying around the world to build these relationships. So I had invested all this money into myself, educating myself, building these relationships, and now I was basically at a click of a mouse, giving people the opportunity to tap into all this great opportunity. And so, um, you know, a friend of mine who got me my first consulting job at Interscope Records, he was one of the, you know, really kind of emphasized like that. There's a value to what you do. You've invested all this time, energy, and resource into building this global network. It's incredibly valuable. Don't underestimate yourself or undervalue yourself. And he was the one that really made me realize, like, okay, I need. It's okay to get paid for doing all this work and providing it as a resource to the industry. And uh, and so he helped me sort of navigate that challenge because I always wanted to do it as a passion but he's like you've got a family you've got to take care of your family first I'm like you know you're right and as opposed to taking care of everybody else I need to put my family first now and and that's really what was a, the calling to 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 still retain that integrity but it was okay to take care of family and then a lot of these artists I discovered you know literally had no one that believed in them I music has always been an emotional connection to me and that's never changed and even with data, you know, I tell a lot of the A&R people today, like what creates data? It's people's emotional reaction. When you see or hear something, you react on your phone. You you start, whether it's, you know, following them on social media, streaming their music, you're, you're reacting because that's an emotional connection in some way, shape or form. And that's never changed. And so for me, it's always been the music business. The music helps me react and that creates a business. But now you've got people that think there's a business because of stats and they kind of work backwards in the business of music, not the music business. That's... And to me, A&R will always be, you know, at its forefront about music. And then there's a business after that. From where you were moved from radio into running kind of Muse Expo, did you really expect it to last this, to last this long? I mean, you yeah, must think... have met some amazing people on the way that kind of acted as mentors, you know, the, the likes of the um you know the 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 real greats the Seymour Steins the the Mahmoud Ertigans, um they must have had a, a, an influence on you I would imagine yeah look I mean we all have inspiration like my mentors my parents but also people like Mel Madali so Mel was the founder of Champion Records and Cheeky Music so he signed Will Smith back in the day Liquid Gold he also signed Dido Faithless you know gave Paul Oakenfold his first break he's also been a mentor to Max Martin's manager, Martin Dodd, and to myself. So Mel is this, you know, very quiet, shy, uh, behind-the-scenes kind of guy who's in his 80s now, and uh, he's like a second father to me. I mean, not just professionally, but personally, he's done so much to me just to help me understand uh, the values and, you know, essence of life, but also, you know, the fundamentals of running a business. But then also people like Barry Dickens, who has also been an amazing mentor to me over the past 25 years, you know, his daughter Lucy runs, um, you know, the global music department for WME and his son manages Adele. But, you know, Barry has also played a big part in 
helping me shape my understanding of the business, but also about life, you know, the core lessons of life. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate to have great mentors, uh, too many to mention on this, you know, interview today, but also, um, you know, the whole aspect of A&R, it's, you know, music is subjective, right? And I think the one thing that the great A&R people like Seymour told me and Ahmet was that you always want to be a fan, trust your gut, you know, always be a fan, always be a listener. And even with Seymour, you know, the years that he and I spent together traveling the world, I mean, he always told me, that every artist I signed, I signed because I believed in that. It wasn't about the data. It wasn't about the metrics. I just believed I was a fan and never stopped being a fan. And so every artist I've ever supported over the past, you know, 30 plus years, I've always supported because I've generally felt a connection. Even when the industry didn't believe in them, I always did. Absolutely. I love the way you talk about the, the cultural influence and stuff, because I remember Chris Blackwell saying he, he didn't sign people just for talent. He signed people for who they were, because you've got to work with these people, you know. So if you have a drummer who's an asshole or something like that, and invariably, you know, things will go wrong and it makes it difficult and stuff. But I think you've managed to surround yourself with, with a lot of the right people. I mean, I, I'm going to have to kind of invite you back at a later date, sir, because there's probably going to be plenty more questions to come. <laughs> Do you have a kind of special moment that, that comes to mind that you'd like to share meanwhile? There's actually so many. I mean, look, you know, uh, yeah. first and foremost, I want to thank my team because you're only as good as your team. You know, I'm a big Liverpool fan. And as Jurgen Klopp says, you know, there's no there's no me and we. And I, I have an amazing team with, you know, Monty and Joe and Dusty, Casey, Josh, William, um, you know, Andrew. The list goes on. They, they've all been incredibly supportive through thick and thin. And then also, you know, the fact that, um, you know, I think the one thing I've always learned is, you know, the most, you pointed out one really important thing about likability, but the, the second important thing as of your health is time because you can invest a lot of time into things and you're never going to get that time back. So time is really important. Mm. So I like to invest time into things and people that I know, well, you know, hopefully do something positive and meaningful to make not just the music ecosystem better and thrive but also make the world a better place absolutely i mean i go back to what you said about that emotional attachment i mean i always said like you know you take an artist like bruce springsteen i mean here's a guy that you know is incredibly successful very wealthy he's happily married his daughter's an olympiad everything's going for him but he walks out on that stage in his 70s and he's having a great time. He doesn't have to yeah. do this. And that resonates with the audience. It's not just the songs. It's not just the music. It's the total full package. And, you know, a lot of artists should look to people like that. What I'd like to say, Sat, is um, it's been a real delight to have you on and hear all this. And if you'd like to come back at a later date, I'd love to do it, Tony. And I know I didn't answer your question about music, but it happened by accident. Uh, I started at dinner with my friend Dave Holmes uh, back in 98. He went on to manage Coldplay for 23 years. I continued with these dinners that he and I had started, and we would bring a different friend to each dinner. Within a year, the dinner grew from the two of us into 100-plus people from around the world flying in for the dinner. It was actually Alex Jones Donnelly at BBC Radio 1 at the time that said he used to do a conference because he goes, I get so much inspiration and meet so many great people at this dinner. If you do a conference, I'll endorse it to the entire British music industry. And that's how Music Expo was born. And so, again, it was another happy accident. That's brilliant. Well, we'll definitely come back to that, sir. I'd just like to say again, thanks a million for your time. I appreciate your time, Sir Tony, and thanks uh, for having me on. 
You've been listening to Sat Bizzler on Moments That Rock and uh, his career in music and doing some amazing things out in California in helping uh, find and develop new artists. You've been listening to Moments That Rock with me, Tony Michaelidis. We shall be back next week. I promise. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.